0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm your host, Pastor A.J. Espinosa, and we're looking at another psalm today. We're looking at Psalm 33, and this is a really interesting psalm. Uh, We've been looking at all these psalms lately in the kind of 30 to 40 range, all these psalms of David, but this is not one of these psalms of David. It Actually, there's a lot of things that are pretty different about this psalm. So this is a very interesting uh, one for us to consider and to look at. So, okay, so if it's not a psalm of David, it's a psalm of what? And uh, what's going on? How would this psalm have been used? Those are the sorts of questions we're looking at today. And to go over it with us, we've got, uh, coming back again, we've got uh, Pastor David Boyce-Claire, pastor of... Now I should like have this just memorized at this point because they on a few times. Bethesda and Faith
1: Lutheran Churches in the Greater St. Louis area, located in Pine Lawn. And, That's right. I remember.
0: I remembered Pine Lawn. I remember you, you were telling me. I think the first time that you were on um, that that one of them had relocated, and they were both firmly on the, the Pine Lawn side of the, the border. But Faith and Bethesda. Um, but so yes, Pastor Voice Claire, welcome back. Good yes, to, it's good great to, to have you here.
1: Be here. It's it's uh, wonderful to be here. I,
0: I imagine you're in uh, sunny California, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's you know it, that's the funny thing. You know, it's it's true that you know we don't we've been spared um, from a lot of the extreme weather that a lot of the rest of the country sees, but it's not always so sunny because actually it's pretty common that in Southern California you get this. Uh, marine layer that rolls in from the ocean, and it's pretty overcast for the first part of the day. Actually, uh, a lot of the year round, even. So, but that's okay um, because I actually really like waking up in the morning and having it be nice and cool. It's it feels nice, you know. Yes. It's a, it's a, I mean, I kind of want to like put my slippers on, kind of thing. It's um, exactly, you know. and, and we're so <laughs> thankful to God for whatever whatever He provides for us. All of the all of the little the little blessings. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The little, the little things are, are God's too. Um, but so yeah, looking at Psalm 33 here and yeah, I, I just, this, this one stands out, this one stands out. So I'm glad that we got this one together. Um, and we I think we're just going to go ahead and just read through the whole thing just to kind of give us some, some context and kind of have the, the words kind of bouncing around in our heads a little bit, and then we'll go into it piece by piece. But before we just dive in, would you open us up with a prayer? I'd
1: be honored. Thank you. Uh, Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the glorious resurrection and ascension of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray that you would send us your Holy Spirit, that he may teach us to know him as our only Savior, guide us too as we... Uh, Look at this precious psalm, which your people have used in worship from ancient times. Grant that it might inspire us uh, to draw near to you in worship and trust in your steadfast love and mercy through our dear Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray.
0: Amen. 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 You know, and that is like such a, a wonderful thought that I mean, the Psalms have been this constant of God's people um, going into Old Testament times and into the New Testament times. And when we pray these Psalms, it's, we're, we're praying with a lot more than just the people we see around us, right? Exactly. And and it's just I, I I guess I when I see the Psalms now I
1: think of my uh, Lutheran service book that that I'm mm-hmm. using in in worship it's it's the it's this it's the hymn book it's the it's the hymnal of, of uh,
0: our the Old Testament saints right right yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what color they had on the, on the cover, um, but it was, <laughs> it was the predecessor to the, the maroon and the, the blue and the green and the, the red and the other
1: blue. It was before all that. <laughs> also, we as pastors, uh, some of our mentors have told us that uh, every month we should go through the Psalter. Uh, every, mm-hmm. every month we should pray all 150 Psalms. And, uh, you know, I think one—this uh, I mean, was uh, Dr. Ken Corby, who used to tell his students that. And uh, one time he says, well, if you're, not, if you're not going through the Psalms like all of them in two weeks, then I know you're not in that much of a problem. <laughs> but, you know, like I was just <laughs> saying that, that uh, you know, people that have, uh, you know, trials in their spiritual life will mm-hmm. be uh, mm-hmm. willing and, and, and wanting to pray the Psalms. And the Lord Jesus
0: prayed the Psalms right. from the cross— Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, abs- absolutely. So it's um, it's just nothing but a, a, a joy to, be, to have the opportunity to be invited to be a part of this. So let's go ahead without any further ado, just read Psalm 33 in its entirety. And then we can circle back around and start looking at this thing in more detail. Exactly. So, so we start in verse one and there just is no heading, um, which we'll talk about. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you his righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. For the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves justice, righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. What a gem. Beautiful. Indeed. And it, it's um, it's it, we're going to talk about this here, how it, and there's so many ways that it stands out. But let's start with the beginning here, there's no superscription, no title, no of David, no um, of the Korahites, right? Like just yeah. nothing. Um, that's. Uh, is there anything about that that stands out or makes you think? Well, it, it could possibly be that it goes with the psalm
1: prior to it. Sometimes they hmm. they make divisions of the psalms, um, like the Septuagint is as usually. Uh, uh, like a psalm before, you know the the psalm you're dealing with is actually uh, it has a number that's one less uh, because there's a different right. division there. Mm-hmm. That's a possibility or or it could just be that that uh, they they didn't decide to put uh, a superscription. And basically saying what it is, like the one psalm 32 is a, a maskil of David. Uh, Mizmor, of right. course, is the Hebrew word for psalm, so it's some mm-hmm. sort of spiritual song. So that's a that may be a possibility, although it it, it uh, probably has uh, you know like a lot of times when things are divided into chapters, uh, the Bible, as you know, was Bible are uh, divided into chapters by Stephen Langdon, the Archbishop of Canterbury, in the early 13th century.
0: And, right, the apostles
1: uh, didn't put them there. <laughs> right, right, and and of course the the verses of the Bible were were done in 1551 by I, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was riding a horse. They, they, I, one professor said that's why some of the some of the verse uh, separations are so weird in, <laughs> weird in the Bible.
0: Some so, bumps along the way, <laughs> exactly.
1: Or, or, or you know, it could be uh, the Psalms were heavily used by uh, in in monastic. Uh, communities during the middle mm-hmm. ages and and uh, maybe you know again they, it's a thematic division uh, there's 150 psalms and so and, and so maybe yeah. they divide it accordingly but that's that's an yeah. interesting interesting uh, question to to look at yeah. here
0: and those, those are, and those are certainly like some good things to consider. That you know, we, I mean, we have. I mean, I like look, I'm looking at the ESV, and it, you know, has the num- big number 33, and the steadfast love of the Lord is the, the title that it gives it. Yes. Um. You know, but that that none of that was there. Right. You know, a long time, not, not actually not that long ago. It was just it just went right into it, and so it would have been just kind of, just right on the heels of Psalm 32, that masculine of David. Um. I mean, it. I think it. Um, I think it would have stood out um, just because. I mean, there's, there's actually. It's very interesting how different it is from Psalm 32. Psalm 32, you've got like the little, um, the little divisions the, that 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 um, between the sections. There's a lot of first person language. You know, I will instruct you, and you are a hiding place for me. A lot of very personal language um, that David pr- prayed as an individual. But here in Psalm 33, um, it's all very like big. The scope is huge, right? The whole world is in view, um, not just the, the cave or, or the battle that David was facing that day. And when we do finally have the, the person who's, who's saying this speak, um, he speaks in the, in the plural, you know, at the end there, right? Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. So, um, this, this. The psalm distinguishes itself in, in a lot of ways. But here, here's the thing that I noticed, and this, this, I did not notice this for a long time. Um, it, it, as much as um, you go through the psalm, right, and it talks about all these different aspects, it doesn't name anything. It doesn't name Israel. It doesn't name David. It doesn't name uh, Saul or Judah. There are no names. Yes. in this psalm and anywhere no, yeah and there's no no uh, divisions or
1: political or or ethnic mm-hmm. divisions that are mentioned it's it's like right. the entire earth you know so a lot of and and that of course is echoed in other psalms you know where uh, rejoice in the lord all the earth you know the lord mm-hmm. created all the earth um, and and uh, it talks about the war horse. Uh, I think that's kind of an interesting, interesting sideline yeah. here. But it doesn't mention, as you said, it mentions absolutely no persons or or you know doesn't point to Israel or Judah um, in any ethnic way. Right.
0: The the only name that is mentioned is the Lord. And and we should you know take a step back and recall that when we have that Lord in all caps. That's just not a title for God. That's that's his divine name yes. that he revealed to Moses. That's Yahweh. Yeah. That's the unique name of the God of Israel. So that is the only name in this psalm. And we have it highlighted at the very end where it says here, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Um, and, I, and I think this is actually the intentional point that there, there's no... Uh, title, because putting any superscription like you know of the Korahites or of David or whatever, that would have added another name. Yes. But this psalm, by its omissions here, it, by this like artistic use of negative space, is pointing us to the only name that matters, the only name that that really stands um is the name of the lord it's it's yes. yahweh it's that's the only one that very very good an um observation i think i think it
1: you know it really enhances this psalm uh, to to th- put that into perspective
0: and, and it's interesting too that you see it like in literally you know um you know and, and again as you were saying the the verses and the chapters came later but when you look at the kind of paragraphs or, or stanzas that it's organized in um at least you know as it's in these printed editions that name of the lord occurs um at least once if not twice in every single one of them mm-hmm. so th- there's th- there's something very artistic about that it reminds me um kind of it's almost in some ways kind of the opposite of the book of esther right right Um, because because esther is one of these other books that is um it has like this artistic omission right and of course that's the one where it's just the opposite tons of people are named in esther right yeah lots of characters more characters than most books in the bible and um the one character name that's never mentioned is is god Exactly.
1: It, it, there's just sort of like a, a, a veiled reference. If, if uh, you don't help us, then our help will come from a higher quarter. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's, of course, one of the reasons why folks uh, thought that perhaps that was not to be part of the sacred canon of the Old mm-hmm. Testament. And the Septuagint, uh, the you know, in the Septuagint, there are additions to Esther which add the name of God, or Esther praying to God, the additions mm-hmm. to Esther. But uh, right. even Luther uh, felt that it was, uh, wasn't a canonical book because, of course, that they did not have the name Yahweh. And that, that was a kind of a, uh, uh, a rule of thumb for the ancient um, Hebrew, well, the Old Testament church, that, that uh, if something which is uh, a divine scriptures should have Yahweh, his name mm-hmm. in it,
0: yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. And, and and it's easy then, so like you know, like you were saying, like, you know, a lot of people had this reaction to pick it up and be like, Well, what is this? Right. Um, but you have to to stop and this um I I'm always um <laughs> I'll never forget like one of the first children's messages at, at church that I remember growing up was and a lot of people probably have seen this, um, it's one of these negative space um like illustrations where the the name Jesus is written. But it's um, written on this little like it's like this small like rectangle kind of looks like the size of maybe like a like a like a name plate that you might put on your desk or something. And the name Jesus is there, but it's all in the negative space. So the effect is that what's actually there kind of like in printed or bolded is just the space in between the letters. And I remember I remember um, the person doing the children's message brought this up and was like, do you know what this says, kids? And I was staring at it and staring at it and staring at it. And as smart as little AJ thought that he was, AJ was like the last person to figure out what was going on there. You know, and like, I've got my little sisters and the littler kids like, oh, I, I see what's going on. I'm like, I don't, what's going on? What are these weird looking spaces? But there is Jesus there in the negative space. And so, um, yeah, it's it's certainly something that it can be very easy to miss. But once you see it, like in Esther. Uh, the point is that you know we don't have to mention God here because God was in every single little thing, right? Right, like we were saying before we started, right? I mean, like God's in all the little things, even too. He's there all the time, right? If you, you you could say him in every breath, and it wouldn't be enough to describe how intimately involved the Creator is with the creation. So, it's uh, it's doing something really very interesting. And so, whether it's negative space in Esther or the negative space in the gospel of John where John never names himself, um, or it's the negative space that we see here in Psalm 33 where there's no mention of Israel, there's no mention of the covenant, there's no mention of Moses, there's no mention of David. There is something going on there where we're invited to kind of see between the weird uh, figures and, and see the pattern that emerges. Yes, very, very insightful, yes. Well, let's let's go ahead and um, just dig into it here. So you have in the first stanza, shout for joy in the Lord. O you righteous praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre, make melody to him with the harp of 10 strings, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So, I mean, this sounds like a lot of the Psalms. Um you know, making, making melody. You've got, uh, I mean, I think the word there kind of means something like strumming. So it's, it's, you have both singing and using instrumental music, Um, you know, play, play the songs, you know, play the songs that are new. So it is this very inclusive call to praise, right? yeah and and um at, at first too, you want to mention
1: the the righteous uh, the righteous. obviously, these are people of faith uh, because only people of faith are righteous in the sight of God by imputation, of course. and right. uh, so so it's and and that, of course, is what the what we mean by justification. And as Luther said that God, uh, when when it speaks about how righteous God is, it is is the the primary understanding here is how God makes us righteous through uh, the righteousness of another Jesus that is imputed right. to us. But it, it's kind of like so it, it's a call to the faithful. It's a call to the Christian to sing praises. And then there's a use of of um, Instruments. Uh, there, mm-hmm. some, there, the Campbellites and other, other uh, you know, very strict um, re- reformational Protestants uh, said you cannot have an organ or a, or a guitar or a, um, a cymbal or, or maybe a trumpet in your, in your service. And, and, and how wrong they were looking at the Word
0: of God itself here. <laughs> Yeah, so there, there is already. I think you, you you've brought it out nicely for us. It is very um, particular, but it's also very inclusive at the same time. It's very inclusive in the sense of make use of all the instruments of all the musicality that that's out there. Like, so it has this very broad view of using all of the creation to join in this this song of praise. But it's also very particular because who's he talking to? The righteous and the upright, and you know, for someone reading this, um, you know, in Hebrew in its original context, that would have been Israel and and just Israel, um, not because Israel was inherently better than everybody else, but because, as you were saying, it was only with Israel that God had um, given his own uh, or shared his own righteousness, so that yes, they would be righteous. Exactly, um, and that He had put His name on them. So there's there's this uh, this tension already of this is very inclusive, big view of everything, but also it's very specific. And we are talking about Israel even without saying Israel. And,
1: and uh, the other thing is the mention of a new song, which also is another theme that comes up, like in Psalm 96 and 98, which, uh, t- uh, you know, as the Lord is the one who makes everything God does is new. Every, he right. makes all things new. Yeah, this, of course, is, is a reference to the gospel, a, a song in praise to God for his mercy and his, uh, you know, the good news of his salvation. And so that's why uh, the psalmist speaks of, the, uh, let us sing a new
0: song to the Lord. To... Well, and that... Yes. I was going to say that, that nicely ties in actually with verse 4, the, the, the point you're making that it's it's the Lord's good news, it's the Lord's word um, that that makes the new song, that, that makes the righteousness here. Because in verse 4 then it says, for the word of the Lord is upright and all his work is done in faithfulness. And so that line there, right, um, it says in verse one, praise befits the upright. Well, why does it befit the upright? Because the Lord uh, in His Word is upright. So, I mean, it's it's um, kind of implicitly answering its own question there. Yes, that it's it's only by the Lord's Word that you have any uprightness or righteousness anyway. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and then that line, it goes on to say, He loves righteousness and justice the earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Um, and I think the, the idea there, and it's interesting, There's um it, that that form on he loves is not the kind of just straight, like, you know, verb he loves. I, I feel like it's almost something along the lines of like, you know, friend of righteousness and justice or lover of righteousness and justice. Um, and you see that yes. form, it's going to get used a couple more times going forward. But I think the idea is that, um, you know, God Has this such a close relationship, if you can say it that way, with righteousness and justice, that so much does he favor those things that it's like the the righteousness and justice just is just overwhelmed the whole world. Like, so certainly he gives it to Israel, as we've been talking about, but it's like there's so much righteousness and justice because God just can't get enough of righteousness and justice that it overflows from Israel and spills over to the rest of the earth. Exactly. And 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 the word hesed is used
1: uh, yes. there. That that is his that is his steadfast love, or you know, his commitment to his people, to um, you know, to to those who trust in him.
0: Yeah, and it's um. I really I think there's something really beautiful in, in in verse five about that because I think it ties all three of these words together. It says he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. I think that 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 has said that steadfast love it is kind of what happens when you take righteousness and justice and you put them together um mm. god he's he's just because he sticks by um what he has said he is um he's always just he's always true he's always faithful um to everything he says and all of his commitments um and those commitments are not just um you, you know just declarations of, of the divinity, but they're ones that are for the sake of of um of of righteousness and, and love. Righteousness, you know, again, like we were saying, in that sense of making righteousness, which is a, which is a kind of grace. So oh, when you when that, yeah. you get when, when you get the grace and the justice, and you kind of combine them together, that's what we're talking about yes. when we say that God has hesed. Exactly, and the Apostle Paul says, like, while we are faithless, yet
1: He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. You know, He exactly. Himself is truth and faithfulness, and 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 like you said, it, it's it's that comes together
0: with that, uh, you know, committing commitment of love, Chesed. Yeah, yeah. No, that that word is. Um... You know, and this is why it gets translated so many different ways because it's notoriously just hard to translate. Cause it's so big and expansive, but that's the word. That's the, the word that you associate with Yahweh more than anything else. He has hesed. Um, let's let's look really quick here before our break at verses six and seven. Then, so it says, we're just going to look at just verse six. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Um, And this is just beautiful. I'm just gonna like throw this out there and we'll actually talk about it after the break. But there's this parallelism on the one hand by the word and on the other hand by the breath. And of course, what's the Hebrew word for breath? Spirit. Spirit. So you've got word on one hand and spirit in the other. Oh man, if that doesn't get you excited, (laughs) but we're gonna have to go into a break and we'll come right back to that. Uh, Everybody listening to Thy Strong Word, looking at Psalm 33 with Pastor David Boyce-Claire. Be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their savior, Jesus. But they need our help because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org1316. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. We're looking at Psalm 33 here, a psalm, as we've been seeing here, that it's very unique and it stands out. No names are mentioned anywhere except for the name of God. And what does that mean? We're looking at verse 6 and 7 now, looking particularly at verse 6. We just kind of concluded that and said, on the one hand, you've got by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made by the breath of his mouth or by the spirit of his mouth, all their host. Um, I don't know. Pastor Boys Claire, I get excited when I see something like the Word and the Spirit in the same breath there. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think? Exactly. Anytime
1: you talk about the Word of God, you talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, whenever you speak about what Scripture does is what the Holy Spirit does. Anytime that you speak of what the Spirit does it, it is what uh, the Word of God does. And, uh, you know, this is especially true for our day and age uh, after the resurrection and ascension of our Lord, where he said, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe, because we're in the time of hearing. He, uh, mm-hmm. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ, or the message of Christ. Uh, this, this, of course, uh, points to the fact that God made the world from nothing by mm-hmm. the word of his mouth and uh, that of course is presented in in Hebrews chapter 11 and also in Romans uh, chapter 4 where where he you know what you know he the one who called things that do not exist as though they were so everything that is is by the uh, the word and breath of God. We gained our life as human beings. You know, God formed man right. from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and so all we we gain our life from His word. His word
0: gives us life, right? And I think that certainly in, in the original context, it's definitely pointing to that that sovereignty of God and that. Ultimately, everything comes from him, all life, everything, yes. absolutely from him in that, in that way of uh, Genesis describing, you know, um, and certainly in the ancient world, everyone, you know, was thinking to themselves, oh, well, some of this comes from one God and some of this comes from the other God. But there you have in Genesis, that whole narrative is being upended and, and the one God is just doing everything. Everything is his work. And, you know, the, it's not like each of the gods has their job. No, the whole job is God's. And so that's that's there in, in a, I think, maybe in the most prominent position. But also, you know, when I see, you know, the word of the Lord, I mean, uh, who is called the word? Jesus, Jesus. Christ. Um, and, you know, the spirit. And what's who's called the spirit? I mean, that, that's the Holy Spirit who Jesus sends. And so I, I think here you, you kind of have this picture that we read as, as Christians and, and, and kind of maybe sanctified hindsight, uh, you might say that you see here, the I I had a professor who once put it as like the two hands of God um, operating here, that Mm -hmm. both the Spirit and the Son are alive and active in the act of creation. It's not like the Father created everything and then stood back and was like, hey guys, what do you think? Um, No, like the Spirit and, and the Word were involved in all of the creating themselves. There's a trinity
1: right there, yeah, it, right w- there. What you, in pointing that out. And, and uh, well, and, and t- talking about it in a, in a theological, since I'm a systematic theology buff, uh, the works of God to the outside are not divided. Uh, that mm-hmm. is that when God creates, he creates with the Spirit and the Son, or his Son and with the Spirit and, and when he um, touches us, redeems us, uh, all three persons are, are are active.
0: and that and that's right. something
1: that comes through here in this psalm.
0: Right. I mean, it comes through for us because we're on this side of the resurrection, as you said. I mean, we are, we are in a, in a different a different time, this time of hearing when we have heard the words of Jesus Christ. and certainly, um, you know, the ancient Hebrews who are reading this weren't necessarily getting, you know, uh, Nicene theology when they read right. <laughs> verse exactly. six. Um, but looking back on it, it's something that I think God's left for us to, to see to, to help us and that we may understand. And, you know, it's a psalm that is, after all, about the name of God. And we have the full revelation of the name of God in the Trinity. So exactly. it, it's, it's very appropriate for us to have such meditations. Um, and then we go on into verse seven he gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. And that's where I, I think that if you, I, I mentioned that in like in verse five, the form for he loves is a little bit different. It so is here in verse seven. I, I'm not sure if it's he gathers and if it's more like, you know, the gatherer of the waters of the sea. It, yes, um, it, yes. Referring it's, to like kind of his title is the one who did this a long time ago. Exactly. It's the one one gathering. It's so
1: that would be like a participle or something. Um, uh, as a, okay, I mean, I'm looking at the um, uh, the Hebrew here, uh, and then then kind of a, a translation. One gathering as the heap waters of the sea. One putting, and then there's the natan, You know, the the one who puts uh, into right. storehouses deeps, and then you think about the vastness of the ocean mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. how it's, I mean, what is it, two-thirds of the earth is covered by water, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, and this, of course, is all God just simply, oh, that's just my stuff over the, out there, and I'm going
0: to store it up <laughs> and bring it out. Right, yeah. Well, you know, and that's just the thing, though, when you read Genesis 1, that's what it sounds like. God's just like, I'm just going to put all the water over here. And I'll put the sky over here and I'll just separate this out and just I'll just push this aside. And here's some land now. You know, like the God is like just playing with this stuff like it's you know, like Legos or something, yeah, you know. But this exactly. is this is like the, the 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 fabric of the cosmos here. But it, it's it's God's like plaything. And um it's yeah, no, and so I, I think that this is this is kind of going back to the theme of this psalm. That it has a very broad look, but it's also a very specific one. And it's, I think, here looking to the the act of creation, just as we were saying that, you know, as God spoke, you know, and the Spirit was there hovering over the waters, and then that word that's used there for deep, that's the word that's used back in Genesis one, and that word's not used very often, right? I mean, we're home. talking about that, yeah. To home. We're using yeah. exactly, exactly. It's it's that old word that for for the chaos and the darkness that the light had to cleave. Um, and that has not been able to overcome the light that has invaded it. And so it's that, it's, I think it's referring to that, like that act of God that breaks into the darkness and creates order out of chaos. There's a, there's a really good uh, uh,
1: subject for a, um... A children's sermon, uh, you know, uh, you you guys, you know, you could have like some Legos or something, and you guys love making <laughs> things or building things. Well, uh, th- this is, uh, you know, you see the sky, you see the clouds, you see the water, you know, that's
0: all God's Legos. He's he's yeah. putting it all together. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like I like that. I, I have a lot of I, you know, I wish I could do children's messages more often, but whenever I do, I have lots of fun. Um, <laughs> um, it's 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 always a joy. Um, yes so yes we have this this um i mean and so here here is there's the logic right that god is the one who's created the whole world and so correspondingly it makes perfect sense then verse eight let all the earth fear the lord let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him for he spoke and it came to be he commanded and it stood firm and in, in verse nine, there's more of this emphasis here. It's it's um, it's really like you know, he is the one who had spoken, and it came to be. It's he is the one who gave the command, and it stood firm. And it's pointing to the particularity of God, of the Lord of Yahweh, but saying because he made the whole thing, everybody should be worshiping him. Implication, I think, is not just Israel, right?
1: Yeah, he is, he is uh, you know, the God, uh, as as you mentioned before, in ancient times, uh, you know, people had a concept of God as being, um, you know, in control of every little thing. I mean, there was, uh, you know, the, the Romans were very... Uh, adept at this, making household gods. There were millions and millions of gods. And here it says, uh, no, there's only one, and he is the God of all the earth. And where it speaks about fear, that's an interesting term in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Uh, The fear of Yahweh is the word in the Old Testament for what we would call religion, the fear mm-hmm. of some God or other, that is, in, in right. other words, that's the word that connects us to whatever divine power is out there. And in this case, the personal, only true God, Yahweh, and in and, and the fear of right. Him. And, and, and as it says, it's the beginning of wisdom, too. But, but like it says there, it's, it's it, it, that He is in control, you know, that's so uh, much of an important thing to remember in our day and age where people think that that people have the power to destroy the world. Now, maybe God can permit people through atomic wars or so through other things to make a lot of damage, but ultimately it's always his decision
0: what, what happens in the world. That's true. And then, you know, of course, the, no matter what we do to our little blue marble, this is like the tiniest little speck in the vast ocean of God's creation. I mean, it's, uh, no matter what we do, uh, we're, we have a very small effect on the, on the vastness of creation. Um, I mean, it's, it really is, it's, it's humbling as, as much as, as much power as we think we have, you know, we're like the, The who's down in Whoville on the dust speck or something in that Dr. Seuss book, right? I mean, it's just. Uh, What is a Horton? Horton here's a who. Yeah, Horton Horton, Horton here's a who. Horton the elephant here's a who. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We're here.
1: We're here. We're here. That's right.
0: We're yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's our our all our self assertion and uh, self aggrandizement is is about that silly. Um, I'm going to read the, the next chunk that's a little bit bigger here because I, I want to really bring something out here. So verse 10 to um, 15. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all the children of man from where he sits enthroned. He looks out at all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. So um, I want to look at this a little bit here because I, I think, again, you know, this gets translated here as like he, God does this stuff all the time or habitually. And certainly there's a certain level where that's true. He's always kind of looking out. Um, he always is perceiving all of our thoughts, um, even the ones that we never speak to another soul. So that's that's certainly there. But I think like the other stuff we've seen so far, this is actually being, uh, trying to draw our attention to something in history that has actually happened. And I, I think this is referring to the election of Israel. Yes. Again, we, do, we don't have Israel named because no one is named except for God. But the point, and you see it clearly in verse 12, right? Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. I know that people take that verse and kind of run with it and say like, you know, hey, so, you know, we in the United States, you know, you know, we could be a nation whose God is the Lord. But, you know, as much as I, of course, you know, um, applaud like any efforts to, to bring civility and, uh, you know, the fear of God um, into the picture here. I think this is just a statement that's that's saying, you know, God, he He is the one who he looked out like at, at the whole world, the vast domain here. He looked at all the different nations. And yeah, he saw all those nations that had all their plans and their plots. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to thwart all of this right now because I'm going to pick Israel and I'm going to do my work through them. And none of the other nations are going to be able to stop this. I think this is referring to that, yes. that sovereign choice of God and his, his uh, relationship with the people of Israel.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, look at uh, what is it Psalm two? Why the why do the nations so furiously rage together, and why do the peoples mm-hmm. imagine a vain thing? That, right. I mean, I'm quoting from King James, but I mean, uh, it it's kind of like it isn't man's will, you know, like uh, when God confronted mm-hmm. man when they were building the Tower of Babel, uh, you exactly. Know, it's, it's, it, and 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 this is probably the verse where it says. Uh, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord is probably the most prominent verse here. I remember doing, uh, when when we had Vacation Bible School, I mean, this was like 40 years ago. But anyway, they they had the song, uh, usually the word blessed means happy. So it's, mm-hmm. happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Right. I think it's another psalm, though it says, "Happy are the people, or blessed are the people, who are so situ- situated. Happy are the people whose God is the Lord." So, mm-hmm. so uh, th- this, of course, is kind of a during. Uh, you know, we're going to be looking, observing the um, uh, Independence Day. You know, it reminds us right. that that maybe it's a call to our nation that we should that that uh, our God it should be the Lord. But again, it, it should be done in the proper perspective, of, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that perspective is so hard
1: to have, yes. right, because yeah. it's, because you can mix it up, uh, you know, you don't yeah. wanna mix up
0: politics and religion uh, too much. Well, you know? yeah, well, yeah, and then that's tricky too, because like, what is politics, right? I mean, I sometimes ask people like, you know, what, well, what's, what's politics? And you start kinda of naming the list, right? And when you're done making your list of the things that count as politics, it's like, well, it looks like you've gone and named everything there is in life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there any aspect of life that has not, you know, in a, in a sense to use a word that's overused, politicized, right? Exactly. Um, it, it, it includes everything. I, I think that the confusion comes in because like, like we're trying to say here, the perspective is that Israel is is being talked about a lot here. By way of omitting the name and only emphasizing the Lord's name. And the point is not, however, that we should be, oh, well, Israel is really important and we need to make an, an alliance with Israel and we need to make sure that there's no two state solution and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? People get, you know, go down that kind of partisan route. Yes. But we need to be seeing ourselves as the people of Israel that, hey, guys, God didn't say, hey, you know, I started with Israel and then I decide on the side here, I'll I'll make a church too, right? And uh, we've got two different things going on. No, Jesus said he is Israel. And if anyone has faith in him, they're a part of it. And so you and I are Israel and there is no Israel somewhere else out there. Israel is not identified by a flag or by borders drawn on a map. The children of Abraham are demarcated by faith and by faith alone and the people who God puts his name on. And so uh, we should see ourselves as that nation whose uh, God is the Lord, yes. not because we're in the United States of America, but because we are in the one holy Catholic church. Right. I think that's a, that's a proper perspective
1: to that, to that, to what is being said there.
0: And it's, it's hard because none, the rest of the world does not see it that way, right? The, the right. world looks at the church and they're like, oh, what are you talking about the one holy Christian church? There's a billion of you guys. You know, everyone and their brother has their own denomination. And, you know, over here, these, this is Israel over there, right? Um, so the world doesn't share that perspective. But that's the perspective that we've inherited from our Lord. And um, it's, as hard as it is to to hold on to, we need to be reminded of it regularly. Exactly. Well, let's look at the, the last... Um, a couple chunks here. So you have this, you know, um, God choosing Israel idea. And then we move on then in verse 16, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. Um, And then it says in 18, behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive and famine. So you have, um, these contrastive statements here on the one hand, we're saying, you know, it's not, it's not the great army. It's not the great warrior strength. It's not the war horse. It's not the great might No, What is it that's going to save you? It's the eye of the Lord. It's his steadfast love. It's his deliverance. It's, it's his provision to keep alive. Um, and so it, it's, it's very much, it kind of feels like a proverb here where you have that kind of contrast. Yes. And um, I mean, the, and it's a very, I mean, very strong images, right? You know, you take the strongest things you could imagine in the ancient world, like a, a war horse or a king with a big army. Um, and then you look at on the other side, um, the things like, well, I mean, probably like the scariest thing in the world, which is just famine, um, because there's just nothing anyone can do in the face of famine in the ancient world. And there you've got God's power that's stronger than the warhorse and stronger than famine itself.
1: And yeah, that's so comforting to to those who trust in the Lord. And that's that, of course, where they talk about uh, the the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. Sort of the promise: uh, trust mm-hmm. in the Lord, and His eye will be upon you. Not, and of course, His eye is on all people, but uh, that that's a promise that uh, uh, through his word, we trust in him and he, his eye is on us.
0: Yeah. That's, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's such an interesting metaphor. Um, cause of course, God, our father has not an eye, he is spirit and not body as, um, as scripture says, but there's, um, there's this sense, I mean, what, what do we do when the, the, the benediction, right? Um, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you, right? Yes. There's this, there's this metaphor that if God is looking at you if you have His eye, if you have His ear, if He sees you and if He hears you, I mean, that's that is. A, I mean, there's nothing more blessed in, in the world, and it's uh, this idea of, yeah, yeah, God sees everything and hears everything, but if God pays you special attention, what more could you ask for? Yeah, and it's it, it it's comforting, and it's
1: uh it's an invitation to. Um, and um especially, you know, like now here in the Midwest we're suffering from these floods. Uh, here in, in St. Louis, they're closing things down because of all of the flooding. So nothing nothing that we can do by our power can stop the flooding. It's only the Lord.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's um it really is something. It, it it takes sometimes a natural disaster for us to be humbled enough to kind of share the ancient world's perspective. I mean you know, we we so often in our technological advances feel like, you know, hey, like, you know, we have bad weather, you have like a famine, like, I mean, it's not even that, right? There is no, we don't even think of famines, right? Because if there's a drought, you know, and, um, you know, here in California, we, we seem to have finally now come out of like a multi-year drought. But there was no famine here, right? I mean, we've got we've got big trucks full of frozen food and <laughs> like uh, f- like fruits and produce from all over the world, right? And so, for our perspective, like famine is just what's what's famine. Um, but yeah, it's like that's that helplessness that you feel when the waters are rising and the power's knocked out, and there's just nothing you can do. Um, you know, when you realize how small we are, right? And um, and God is the only one um, really who can save you from those biggest problems in life, including death itself in the end. Yes. Um, Let's look at the last section here, and then we still have like a minute or two to talk about it. So this is is, uh, verse 20 and the last three verses here. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us. Even as we hope in you. So there's this. Um, I, I really like the conclusion here. I mean, like I was saying, this is where you see, like, oh, hey, like this is who's been talking all along. <laughs> um, it's right. the congregate it's the congregation of Israel speaking. Um, and they're they're affirming that yes, uh, we're the ones who have put our hope in the Lord, though, as the whole psalm is said, there's this this is hope that that everyone would that, that the whole world should do so um but here is this 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 small little exchange um you know we we are hopeful and in verse 21 is kind of like a resolution like you know our heart is glad or or will be glad this is we don't know about the rest of the world but we're going to trust in him um and then we ask that god's steadfast love it's that hesed, right that's that's the best thing that we could ever have we just want that to be upon us, because if we have the hesed of the Lord, that that loyalty, that that combination of graciousness and faithfulness, if we have that, there's nothing more we could ask for. That's exactly right, and it's a, a wonderful perspective, and it's sort of what
1: what is is surrounds His people with. Um... With hope, which of course is faith for the things of the future, that we, through Jesus Christ, will
0: have everlasting life and live forever with our heavenly Father. And you know, so uh, you mentioned so there's the, there's the name that we as Christians are, are wishing was in the Psalm, um, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Of course, the Lord um, that brings it up for us. The the Psalm, even though it's not a Psalm of David. Even though it's not um, you know, in that way, kind of pointing to Christ as like a, as a king, it does still point to our Lord as the people of Israel, mm, um, yes. because because you know you have the the Lord, um, he he looks out onto the whole world and he sees his son right there in the baptism. He looks down at him and says, "It's in him that I am well pleased. This is my chosen one." Um, and of course, we know that he was chosen before the creation of the world. So you have God looking out on on the past, present, and future of like all time and space. And he chooses his son. Um, that, that election is, um, is, is the first thing that, that ever happened, um, even before time. And and God brings the counsel of the nations and the plots of all the enemies of God to nothing because he, he thwarts them all. And in fact, he uses their plots, uses their plots of murder and envy and uh, crucifixion to bring about the salvation of the world. And so you see, like as much as you can talk about the election of Israel and God's grace towards Israel, all of that's seen in the clearest of all terms in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the true Israel. Um, about the twenty seconds here, you can conclude us with a brief thought here. <laughs> yes, and and um,
1: he is Israel reduced to one, so that he can take um, our place under the law and and uh, suffer the punishment that we deserve for our sins, and fulfill the righteousness that we needed, and God receives that uh, through
0: his chesed uh, and mercy. Amen, amen. Pastor Boyce, claire thank you for being our guest again. Looking forward to next time. It's been my great pleasure. God be with you and all our listeners. Thank you, and thank you everybody for listening and for reading the Bible together with us today. We are looking forward to doing more psalms, and we go through the Bible one book at a time. We ask that you would check out the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. They're our underwriters. Check them out at lhfmissions.org. We thank the LCMS Office of National Mission, our producers. Until next time, everybody, peace. You've
1: been listening to Thy Strong Word. Produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.